testing. One, two. One, two, three. You know, hello, Ian. Oh, you know what's crazy? I think they, I think they just gonna have. I think I'm recording this. I don't think they're gonna air this till July. I almost feel like she told me that, but I can't remember. Yeah, but I think they got because she's on sabbatical, so it could be. But I feel like they. But I, I could be completely wrong though. But she's gone like for 16 weeks. I'm like, next time I leave, I'm going for 16 weeks. <laughs> but she got this uh they have this fund at duke i don't know why i never did it where if you do a sabbatical they'll give monies toward the church to maybe help compensate for clergy and they can preach and they give you sabbat money to use however you want in the sabbatical so she gonna be she been traveling that's serious man paid four month leave i need that in my life like yesterday let me know when you're ready to go And this is yeah, South South Euclid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um five. Hold on. Five. Four, three, hold on. You want we want to close those doors just in case we don't get in that. I know noise on here in the back. Those two on the side. I'll go get that one. And we're going to record the video afterwards up here, too, with the big camera. No, uh, my f oh, well, if, if on your phone, we can. You want to do that? I don't have an iPhone. I refuse to get one, but that's the best. Oh, it doesn't matter. Whatever's easier. But we could do the iPhone thing or we could just close, zoom in on this one. Yeah, let's zoom in. All right. Ready for countdown? Five, four, ooh, three, two, one. Happy Sunday, South Euclid family. What a blessing to be here with you again. So grateful to your pastor, Pastor Courtney, for extending this invitation and making this opportunity available. And again, grateful, grateful to be with you again. Long to be with you in person at some point, but I'm thankful that during this season, 
uh, Pastor Courtney has extended another invitation to share with you on this glorious Sunday, this beautiful day, another day that God has gifted us with. And it is truly, truly, truly a blessing. It is always a blessing when people consider you and when friends reach out to you. And so I consider your pastor a friend and I'm grateful for her, grateful for her leadership. She is a pearl of great price, a pearl of great price. And the kingdom and those of us who do this work are better because of her, because of her leadership, because of her gifts, because of her commitment and her passion uh, for this call and this charge that is laid upon us to not only preach the gospel, but to lead God's people. So again, thank you, South Euclid, and in particular, thank you, Pastor Courtney. I won't be before you long on this morning, but I do want to draw your attention to a very familiar passage of Scripture. I remember years ago when I served the church as pastor in North Carolina, I used to have a deacon there, and he would tell me every now and again, Pastor, you can still get fresh water from old wells. And I believe that no matter how familiar the stories are in the scriptures, there's always some fresh water from old wells. And hopefully, hopefully this morning we'll get a little fresh water from this familiar story. It is found in the gospel according to Matthew, the 14th chapter, and it's a rather lengthy passage of scripture. So please permit me to read it in its entirety. Uh, Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22 and ending at verse 33. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version of Scripture. Here's how it reads. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Come on, beloved, let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you and we honor you on this day for how you continue to allow your light and your life and your love to shine upon us. We are grateful, O oh God, because every day we rise from our slumber, we're reminded 
that new mercies await us with every dawning day. And for that, we say thank you. Now, O oh God, in this time that is ours to share, we pray, O oh God, that you would allow your word to do its own work. And we will do what you created us to do. That is worship and honor you. And most of all, get out of the way so that you can be God all by yourself. We love you, God. We honor you, Lord. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, beloved. Allow me to read a portion from this scene. From verse 28 through 33. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This morning, just briefly, I want to talk from this thought. Stop noticing the strong wind. Stop noticing the strong wind. The wind was wailing. The waves were brutal. And their hearts were sinking. The wind was wailing. The waves were brutal. And their hearts were sinking. The disciples found themselves in a vessel being assaulted by the wind and the waves. A storm had gripped them and they were terrified. Most people, when speaking of this passage, suggest the intensity of the storm must have been of such a great mass that even those in the boat who were experienced fishermen were terrified. The wind was wailing. The waves were brutal and their hearts were sinking. They found themselves in the middle of a storm. And here's the part you have to understand. They were honoring the directives of their teacher, their leader, Jesus, who had told them to go on to the other side, that he would meet them there. And the scripture says that when they went to the other side, making their journey, he went away to pray. And in the midst of them honoring the directive from Jesus, being obedient to what Jesus had asked them to do, they encountered a storm. I didn't plan on pausing here for a second, but I need to pause because there's some people who believe that somehow your commitment to God and your commitment to honoring the directives that God has set in your life somehow makes you immune to the inconsistencies and the natural movement of life. They were being obedient. But their obedience does not necessarily guarantee them protection from the inconsistencies of life. They were being obedient and still found themselves in the storm. And I hate to say that in this day, there's still some people who believe that somehow if you are saved and sanctified, that somehow that saved and sanctification protects you from being assaulted by the inconsistencies of life. You can still be obedient and enter a storm. 
You can still be faithful and enter a storm. You can still honor God with the best of your living and still encounter difficult, challenging, tumultuous, arduous times in life. The wind was wailing. The waves were brutal. And their hearts were sinking. They were there wondering how they would survive this storm. They were being overrun by the elements of nature at this moment. And the scripture says that in the midst of the storm, they see a figure approaching them. They don't know who it is. Because you and I have an opportunity to eavesdrop in the story, in the narrative. We know it is their leader, the rabbi, Jesus, the carpenter, who is now making his way towards them in the midst of a storm while the boat is being battered, while the wind is wailing, while their hearts are sinking. Jesus makes his way towards them. Scripture says that when the disciples saw him, they became even more terrified because they thought it was a ghost. The scripture says it was dark. It was nighttime and it was a storm which made visibility low. They could not see who was approaching. And there in the middle of the water, in the middle of the sea, they see a figure seemingly walking on water. This defied any logic they could hold on to. And so they immediately surmise this must be a ghost. This must be a phantom. And they cry out, it is a ghost. But when they say it is a ghost, another voice cried out and said, do not be afraid. Take heart. It is I. It is me. Those words should have soothed their sinking hearts and fearful souls. But it did not. Why? They could hear the words, but they couldn't see the face. But then one among them, the boisterous one, the de facto leader, Peter, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on this water. Look at Peter's words, beloved. Something about the voice that said, do not be afraid, it is I, rang familiar for Peter. And Peter, maybe not the other disciples, the writer doesn't say they recognize the voice, but Peter sensed the tone in the voice. He heard these inflections before and he cries out, if it is you, bid me to come and walk on the water. Notice the nature of Peter's request. Isn't it ironic that Peter sensed it was Jesus? He had known firsthand the power of Jesus to work on behalf of those in crisis in need. And Peter does not say, Lord, if it's you, stop the storm. Notice the request. Peter does not ask for a silencing of the waves, a silencing of the wind. He simply says, if it is you, I've seen you work. I know your power. Enable me to walk on the water just like you. He does that. He gets a word. Come. When he receives that word, the scripture says, Peter got out of the boat and made his way. Can you see him now? Can you imagine 
what it must have looked like from the other disciples' perspective, not Peter's, but from those who were looking on Peter. Can you imagine as they were sitting there, heart sinking, overwhelmed with fear, overrun by their own sense of terror, and then in the midst of a storm where the waves are wailing and the way and the wind is wailing and the waves are brutal and battering their vessel, all they know is that somehow Peter had made a transactional relationship with an invisible figure in the nighttime and made the request, bid me come if it's you. They don't know who it is. And Peter begins to step out of the boat in the middle of the night, in the midst of a storm. He gets out of the boat. And I know in my heart that those other disciples must have thought Peter lost his mind. But isn't that how it often is when we see people who are willing to take risks of faith? especially ones we don't understand and we don't quite know what they're doing. We stand back and watch and we want to see what will happen. We're not always the first ones to move on faith. We watch those who make the move and then either critique, judge, or celebrate. But most of the time we critique. I can hear them now. Are you crazy? What are you doing? Why would you do that? We're dying. And something in Peter's spirit might have even been thinking, listen, we're going to die anyway, but if I'm going to go out, let me go out on these terms. Let me go out trying to find another way to survive rather than going down on a sinking ship. He makes a decision that if I'm going to go, let me go out on different terms. Let me go out trying to do what I've never done and be what I've never been and go where I've never gone. He makes that decision. And the scripture says he gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. And all he had was a word from the figure in the nighttime that simply said, come. And he got out of the boat. And somebody here this morning needs to know that because you've been living in a moment where you rather stay on a sinking ship then honor the courage and tenacity that may reside in your spirit. And maybe you need to hear this this morning. Maybe for somebody's time in your life that you get out of the boat and take a chance in living. And like Peter, be what you've never been and do what you've never done and go where you've never gone. How many times have you seen other people's courage and wondered why you weren't that courage, seen other people's faith and then wonder why you weren't that faithful? Maybe it's time, beloved, for somebody who's hearing this this morning to get out of the boat and see what happens. Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water. And I have to believe the same disciples, the same friends who may have criticized his decision are now looking in amazement at the choice he's made because the choice Peter made led to Peter doing what he'd never done before, walking on water. Can you see, Peter? Walking on water. The fisherman who used to simply fish in the sea is now walking on the water. Can you see him? With all of his issues, with all of his baggage, with all of his shortcomings, still walking. With all of the troubles, with all of the problems, with all of his idiosyncrasies, still walking with all of the mistakes he's made, with all of the flawed nature of his humanity still walking on water. That says something, that you can still work in a power and ability that is beyond your imagination, and it does not necessarily matter what your condition may be or what your flaws may be or what your mistakes may be. What I've discovered in my life, that there are places that courage and faith will take you that fear can never venture toward. 
He's walking on water. And here is where the story gets interesting, beloved. He got out of the boat. He starts walking. And then it says he started to sink. I remember being a child growing up in church and hearing this sermon preached or hearing people tell the story. In the old church, you know what we would say. Peter sank because he took his eyes off of Jesus. If he had only kept his eyes on Jesus. I've heard preacher after preacher say that growing up as a child. Keep your eyes stayed on Jesus. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, everything will be all right. Peter sank because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And that is not true. The story lets us know that they could not see who the figure was. So there was no way he took his eyes off Jesus because he could not see Jesus. Peter was walking truly by faith and a word come. Peter was walking not because of what he saw, but because of what he heard. A word come. He did not sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. He could not see Jesus. So why did he sink? It's right there. And it's clear as day. Here's what it says in the NRSV version. It said, but when he noticed the strong when he became frightened and began to sink. Ah, that's the key. When he noticed the strong wind. It's amazing. It's amazing that I began this sermon by saying the wind was wailing. The waves were brutal. Their hearts were sinking. When Peter made the request to walk on the water, request of the figure he believed to be his leader, his teacher, his friend, his confidant, he got out of the boat. And here's the thing. Peter didn't ask again for Jesus to stop the storm. He simply asked for the permission to walk on the water in the storm. So that means when Peter got out of the boat, the wind was wailing. As Peter began to walk, the wind was wailing, that he was so focused on what he had asked permission to do, who asked Jesus to give him the power to do and even lean into his own power to do. He did it. He was doing it. He was walking to the surprise of his friends on the boat who now probably were questioning why they didn't get out of the boat. He was doing it, but he sank. He did not sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. He sank because of fo- instead of focusing on what he had been doing, He started paying attention to what was working against him. I hope somebody caught that this morning. Instead of focusing on what he had been doing, he started paying attention to what was working against him. When he noticed the strong wind, he started paying attention more to the wind than he was to his own power, to what he had been doing. Oh, my God. How many times in your journey have you noticed? the strong winds. Have you noticed what was working against you more than what you were really already doing? You were walking in your gifts, walking in your talents, walking in your ability, walking in your courage, walking in your faith. But somehow along the journey, some moment intruded and you started actually paying attention to what was working against you. And when you started paying more attention to the winds that were blowing and the waves that were brutal, you began to sink. You were doing it. You were doing the unthinkable and the impossible. But somehow you paused to actually notice not what you were doing, 
but what you were doing and what you were in the midst of. Oh, yes. All of us know that feeling. To find our greatest moments potentially upended because we paid attention to the wrong thing, paid attention to the wrong people, paid attention to the wrong circumstances. We were so filled with what was positive in our lives when we started letting what was negative intrude upon our disposition, our thoughts. All of a sudden, things started shifting. How many times, again, in your journey have you noticed the strong winds and that glance brought grief, that glance brought agony? Because it stopped you from how you are moving and how you are headed. Oh, beloved. I, I have to share this story. When I was a little boy, to help you get it even more, when I was a little boy, I remember, I remember I was one of the last people on the block I lived on who learned how to ride a two-wheel bike. You know, when you're a kid and, 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 and riding a two-wheel bike was a big deal. I don't know if it's still a big, well, I imagine it's still a big deal today. But when I was a kid growing up, the ability to move from the tricycle and the training wheels was a big deal to get to ride a two-wheel bike. And I was determined to graduate from the training wheels, from the tricycle to the two wheels. I even made a request to my parents. I said, I want a big boy's bike. I wanted a bike that didn't have the training wheels. And I didn't even want the bike I had with the training wheels. I thought it was too small. I wanted to get another bike, a regular bike with two wheels. The problem was I didn't know how to ride the bike, which then necessitated my father teaching me how to ride the bike. I remember the day we went and, we went and purchased the bike. I was too excited because I saw other kids who had a two-wheel bike, but I didn't have one, but now I had one. And it was one thing I had to conquer, and that was learning how to ride the bike. I remember the day we brought the bike home and I was so excited. I begged my father to teach me how to ride the bike. And he did what many people did. He said, let's go. He took the bike out of the car. We got out on the street and our street wasn't a very busy street. We were in a residential area. It wasn't a whole lot of car traffic. And so my father sat there. He told me to get on the bike. And, and, and the, the transition from desire to actuality to reality terrified me. You know, it's deep how you could desire something for a long time, but then when you actually get it or at the point where it's about to become real, fear grips you. And in my case, I started thinking, what if I don't know how to ride it? What if I fall and hurt myself? Didn't matter. My father said, we're going to ride. And I tried to back out of it. My father said, no, you've been asking for this bike. You want to learn how to ride the bike? We're going to ride this bike today. And so I got on the bike. It was a little black and yellow Schwinn. I'll never forget it. And my father held the seat in the back, told me to start pedaling. And my father held the seat. Well, as he was holding it, I felt some sense of security and safety. I started pedaling and pedaling. And he held me. He held me. And then I looked back and noticed that he had let go. I fell. Scraped my left knee. My father said, get back on the bike. Got back on the bike. I said, Daddy, don't let go of the bike. He said, I got you. Started riding again. He's holding on to the seat, holding on to the seat. And I wasn't sure that he didn't let go. I looked back again. My father had let go. I fell, scraped my right knee. I remember at that point, I said, Daddy, I don't want to ride the bike no more. He said, no, you're going to learn to ride this bike today. So the third time, we get back up and we start riding again. I'm nervous now because I don't know when he's going to let go of the bike, but we're riding. And so I look back. My dad was half a block back. I turned back around. 
feeling good about myself. I was riding the bike on my own. And then all of a sudden, as I was riding, on the left, there was a car parked to the left of the block, and there was a car parked to the right. And then next to that car were bushes, sticker bushes, we used to call them. And there was a curb leading up. All of a sudden, when I looked at the car on the left, looked at the car on the right, and then I saw the sticker bushes that were next to the car on the right, I lost my control, crashed into the car, hurt myself, and I thought that was it for me in riding a bike. The point is this. My father had let go of the bike a half a block back. I was riding the bike. Even though I had some bruises on my left knee and my right knee, I was actually riding a bike. But what happened? I started noticing the things on my path that took my focus off of the fact that I was doing it, and I crashed. Oh, that had to be what happened to Peter that day. He was walking on water, but when he started paying attention to the wind that was against him, he sank. Beloved, maybe in this season, it's time to stop noticing the strong winds in your life. Maybe we've forgotten sometimes that we have more for us than we have working against us. Paul puts it best, if God be for us, then who can be against us? It does not matter what rises up in our lives that seem oppositional when we put our trust not just in God, but on our God-given ability and talent. It does not yet appear what we shall be. Maybe, maybe that's the real fight. Not whether or not you have talent, not whether or not you have ability, not whether or not you're gifted. Maybe the fight is to stop noticing what is working against you and continue in your own sphere, in your own place, in your own situation. Keep on walking on water. Don't stop. Instead of noticing the strong winds, notice what you've been doing and notice who's been keeping you and notice who's been sustaining you and notice who's been traveling with you every step of the way. You do not make this journey on your own. You do not walk this path by yourself. God walks with you and God talks with you and God reminds you who you are. Stop noticing the strong wind because the truth is, the wind don't deserve that much of your attention in the first place. There will always be storms that rise and always be circumstances that rise against you. And always there will be situations that seem adversarially to work against you. But you've been through enough in your life to know that you're capable. And look, I'm done. I'm done. South Euclid. But here's I, I want to give you this before I go. When Peter begins to sink after noticing the strong wind. I love this part because when he began to sink again, those friends in the boat had to be saying, see, I told you, Peter, you should have stayed. There will always be people who when they see you take a chance and succeed, jealousy may come. But when they see you falter, then criticism comes. That's why you can't let your, your own feeling about yourself, your own self-esteem be based on the validation or support of people because people are fickle and whimsical. And one day they're for you, the next day they're against you. That's why you have to be confident and courageous and believe in yourself. When Peter begins to sing, Jesus does not come and begin to give a lesson on lack of faith. Before he talks about the situation, he says, it said he reached down and picked him up from sinking. And then he said, why 
Did you doubt? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? But notice, beloved, what Jesus doesn't say. He didn't say, why did you doubt me? He said, why did you doubt? And I got to believe he was talking to Peter. Peter, why did you doubt your ability? Like that day I fell off the bike, I doubted my ability to navigate through the obstacles that I saw. And when I focused on the obstacles, I was drawn towards, I hope somebody got that. When I focused on what was against me, I was drawn towards what was against me and I crashed. Why did you doubt what you were doing? Why did you doubt your strength? Why did you doubt your abilities? Why did you doubt you were doing it? You were doing it. There was no magic formula. There was no special word said. The only word Peter had was come and he got out of the boat. Maybe that's what helps us do the unthinkable. Every now and again, being courageous enough to separate from the crowd, to disconnect from people, to find our own way and walk on water and walk on water. Oh, you have little faith. Why do you stop believing in yourself? Why do you stop trusting yourself? Why do you keep doubting yourself? You've been through so much in your life that you've come through. Why would you doubt what you can do? I put it to you this way, something I heard a long time ago. If you're watching right now, and if you're a member of South Euclid right now viewing this, and no matter who you are, your very presence here, your ability to watch this now says something I know about you. I know this. If I know nothing about about your life, where you were born, where you're from, here's what I do know. I know that if you're here right now watching this, it means that you have survived a 100% of your worst days. I hope you caught that. You have survived 100% of your worst days. And if you can believe in God, believe in the one who God believes in, and that's you. Oh, my God. I want my belief in myself to catch up with God's belief for me and about me. I want my trust of God to now resonate in the trust that I put in myself as well. If God trusts me, if God believes in me, I want to believe in myself and trust myself the same way God does. Oh, don't doubt. Don't doubt. You've been through more than enough in your life to know what you're capable of doing. You've survived much. You've endured much. You've seen much. You've overcome much. And you are still here. You are still here. And it's by the grace of God. And beloved, I'm, I'm done. I, I, I leave you with this. The scripture says, If you look at verse 31, it says Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him saying, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Verse 32, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. You could have missed that between verse 31 and 32. Something is missing. They go from walking on water to being back in the boat and then the storm ceased. Can you imagine? What does it say? How did they get back to the boat? It's quite simple. They walked back to the boat together. Oh, I hope you get that, that here it was. Peter still got another chance to get it right. And he reached out and it says he reached out to Peter, reached out his hand and caught him. I'm convinced they walked back together. The same one who had sank because he noticed a strong wind now walked back to the boat with Jesus. And only when they got back to the boat did the storm cease. Only when the unthinkable was accomplished, the impossible was achieved in the midst of a storm. I hope you get that. 
At no point in Peter and Jesus's engagement does it say the wind stopped wailing or the waves stopped being brutal. It simply said when they got to the boat, when they got back to the boat, that's when the wind ceased. He walked back through water, through the storm. He was able to accomplish what he thought he had failed at through the storm. All of this took place in the storm. The winds were still wailing. The waves were still brutal. And he still accomplished the unthinkable. And it was all done in the midst of a storm. And here's the part I like. When they got back to the boat and the wind ceased, everybody, it said, on the boat started worshiping. You got to get that part. That the same people who may have doubted Peter or thought he was crazy, that when Peter came back to the boat, they all started praising God. Why? Because sometimes your courage can lead to other people's breakthrough. I hope you get that. Your tenacity can lead to other people's breakthrough. After the rescue, you better do something. Remember to worship God. Because sometimes what God does for you ain't even just about you. It's about the folk around you who can benefit from your courage and your strength and your gift and your ability. And that's when you know, that's when it's time to honor and worship God, beloved. And some of us right now, we can think of all the times we've been rescued, redeemed, restored, and made new. What do you do when the storm ceases? Here's how I learned in the Sunday school. You rise, you shine, and you give God the glory. You rise, and you shine, and you give God the glory for the great things that God has done in your life. Stop noticing the strong wind. There is much work to do, beloved. And God has already gifted you your responsibility. Stay focused. Keep walking on water. You've been walking in the midst of many storms. Don't give the wind any of your attention. Don't give the waves any of your time. Focus on the fact that you've been empowered by God to do great things. And most of all, remember this, keep walking. Why? Because the best is yet to come. You've got water walking, possibility, potential, and power. Stop noticing the strong wind and keep on walking. And when you put your hands in God's hands, it does not yet appear what you shall be. Come on, beloved, let's, let's pray. God, we thank you today. We honor you, O oh God, for this season, this moment, this time you've blessed us with. God, this is a season when the storms have been many. The winds have been boisterous and the waves have been unrelenting. But God, you've given us power to walk in storms and walk through storms. Our responsibility is to trust what you've given us and to stop noticing what is against us because we have more for us than anything that can rise up against us. God, thank you for this reminder. Thank you for pushing us a little bit when we need to be pushed because you've given us the ability, oh God, to do what we've never done, to be what we've never been, and to go where we've never gone. 
We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say, amen. Amen, South Euclid. Look, beloved, thank you for joining me on this beautiful day that God has given us. Pastor Courtney, thank you. I love you, my sister. I'm so grateful for you. And most of all, most of all, if you get nothing else, stop noticing the strong wind. Until next time, beloved, much love, peace, and many blessings. Got And this is 20th anniversary. All right. Hopefully we get this in one take. Yeah, 20th pastoral anniversary. All right. Five, four, three. Two, one. Happy anniversary, my friend, my brother, Pastor Tim. So grateful for you, man. And I'm thankful, thankful to God to be able to call you friend. 20 years of pastoral ministry, 20 years of pastoral service, 20 years of honoring the great call that God has placed over your life. And not only for you, but for the Luke family. It is such a blessing to be a servant and to serve the way you've been serving. Many people have benefited from you. Many people have been blessed by your gifts. And I thank God for those people who can say they've been transformed because they know Pastor Tim Sloan. Listen, my friend, I wish you the best. I wish you many, many more years of service and much love to you and the Luke family, to your amazing wife and to your children. I thank God for you all too, my brother, Enjoy this season of celebration. Continue to honor God. Continue to trust God. And here's what you know and I know both. It does not yet appear what you shall be. Much love. Celebrate. You deserve it, brother. Peace. Yep. All right.
and we'll keep you out too long. <laughs> All right, y'all.